Welcome to the Dating After Divorce podcast. I'm your host, Shade Curry, and I believe every divorced woman deserves a romantic relationship where she feels safe, loved, and cherished. You can create the most amazing life after divorce, and I will teach you how. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Dating After Divorce podcast. I'm your host, Shadi Curry. You all, I'm so excited to have today's guest here on Zoom with me. I have Elizabeth Fisher. <laughs> and I, I'm fangirling here because oh. <laughs> I found Elizabeth's work nine years ago, a few weeks after I separated from wow. my ex-husband. Like I was... Um, online, and I don't even know what I was Googling or looking for because yeah. all of the poop had hit the fan. And I found a podcast episode. This is like before, I don't, it was like a recording. Was this an MP3 that you had done oh, on someone's blog? Yes, yes. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I know. And I was like, oh, okay. This is, this sounds like what's happening to you because I think you talked about codependency. And that was my first. I think my the first time I heard the word codependency, I'd never heard that word. I was 39 years old and I'd never heard that word. So that was the first time I heard the word. I was like, oh, this is interesting. This sounds like me. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to tell that whole story. You all, you guys have all heard my story. This is about Elizabeth's story. Uh-huh. Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, please tell the listeners who you are and about the work that you do. Well, I'm so, so grateful to be here. Um, I love that that's how we connected was in that Facebook group that I started. I mean, at this point, it probably was like 10 or 12 years ago, I think. Um, So my work, uh, I've been a writer for a very long time, but my work took a turn um, as I went through my own separation and divorce. And I started writing, you know, you write what you know. So I tend to be an open book. And I was just letting these things kind of spill out of me. And that just sort of led me to this, um, this, what ended up being a beautiful work of working with women who are either in difficult marriages or they are going through separation or divorce, and then kind of walking through that healing process. So I put my story out there thinking I'm the only like Christian girl, the only church girl who's going through this. And oh my, I mean, I was stunned with how many people sort of kind of came out of the woodwork and said, Oh no, no, you're, you're telling my story. So I've been reading and I do, I have a podcast and I have courses and one-on-one coaching, things like that. Yeah. I was in your separated slash divorce group. And I think there's a few thousand women in that group. And it was unbelievable. Pastors wives. Yes. There was so many heartbreaking stories. Yes. Pastors wives in there. I could not believe it. I know. I know because there's just something about having to feel like they have to keep it hidden and keep the mask up and keep the, you know, on with the show kind of a thing. And it's, oh, it's so isolating. And so to have that, you know, private group just for women, um, you know, it's one of those things like if you build it, they will come. Well, I didn't know if they were going to come and they just, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And I know a lot of, uh, not all the listeners, at this point, the listeners are about 50-50 Christians and non-Christians, yeah. um, but I do know that there are plenty of Christians who listen to this. So I know they're probably like nodding their heads. Yeah. And like, yes, I, I definitely relate to that. So yes. you've been blogging, you've ha- you have a podcast, speaking events, you know, um, but 
beyond all that work that you've done since your divorce and separation, you dated. I did. And you've been married, remarried now how many years? Uh, it will be nine years um, coming up in the spring. Yeah. Yeah. And so we want to hear that story for sure. Okay. Yes. Yeah. This episode is going to be the dating and the happy yeah. marriage uh, conversation. But I did want to touch on like what happened with your first marriage because you were married 20 years, I believe. Almost 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So um, my husband, my first husband and I uh, dated for four years and it was a conflict habitual relationship breaking up. We had a broken engagement. Um, and I was, I was several things at that age. I was stubborn. Um, I had a background of divorce in my childhood. I kind of thought arguing is how it's supposed to be. Um, I also had this kind of weird thing in my head that, um, it must mean we can be ourselves if we can argue this much. I mean, ah, um, and I mean, I was maybe, you know, I was in my very, very early twenties. And I thought if, if he and I like don't stay together, God may never bring anyone else along. So, um, we moved forward. I mean, we've had people say like, this isn't, you know, a great fit and you guys might want to part ways. And, um, you know, we just, we kind of barreled ahead. So then it was, um, not just conflict habitual, it turned into, um, where there was hidden drinking and that I, I noticed within the first couple of years. And that was sort of the through line of our marriage. Um, and especially for a couple of like young Christian kids and we weren't drinkers. So I was I had, I didn't have like a place in my mind for how to handle this. I didn't, I couldn't see this coming. It wasn't like one of those red flags that I, I kind of thought, oh, this is probably going to pop up. I had no idea. Um, and then along with that, uh, the, the codependent dance of, I'd give him rules, um, you know, just don't drink in our house or I don't want to see it or not with our kids or never drinking and driving. Da, da, da. Or if you do, you know, if you break this rule, I'll tell, you know, someone at church. And I mean, that went for 15 years until I finally got real help and went to Al-Anon, which changed everything. That could be an entire other episode, but that's not what we're here for. Um, and there were also um, started to creep in uh, controlling, lying, um emotional abuse that I had also no language for. I just thought our marriage was pretty hard, but I didn't realize that we were like teetering on abuse. Um, until about year 15 or 16, I went and saw a counselor and kind of laid out my marriage. And I, I said, well, we don't have like biblical grounds for divorce. This is my marriage the rest of my life. I don't want my kids to remember me as an angry woman because I had a lot of anger, like coming out with all this. and. Um, and she gave me the power wheel of control and abuse. And I was even a psych major. And I'm like, what is it? I like, this is not me. I thought she was, you know, kind of nuts. And she said, I'm just going to read through each one. And you check off what sounds like, you know, is your relationship. And I think the specific pie chart thing that she gave me, I think it had like 14 types. And I, I checked off like 11. So it was, every, it was pretty much everything other than physical. And 
we went and got some help through the church, a 15-month church-led reconciliation attempt, where at the end, the our church sort of leadership basically said to me that I'd done everything they'd asked me to, um, and they released me to legally separate. They still didn't think I had like grounds for divorce. There's a you know a whole other layer of being like in the church world of all of that. Um, and a few months went by and I was served divorce papers. Um, and our separation divorce, it was long. It was an, maybe a year and a half or so. It was messy. Um, and then, so I've been divorced since July of 2012. So. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Like- yeah. I know that was a lot. Sorry. No, it was perfect. It was, I was just like, dang, like you were just hitting on, I was like, I remembered my yes. own moments of yes. similar revelations and conversations and experiences in the church, people in the church, uh, my church and church family or people that I knew in the church were not quite as uh, accommodating of those concepts as yours, you know, what were. Yeah, but I, I did have a question. Like when you looking back now that you're divorced, happily married, knowing that your ex husband was the one who filed for divorce, do you think you ever would have filed if he hadn't? Oh, that is such a good question. Okay, I have thought. I mean, obviously, there's no way to know, right? Um, and I have thought about this. Um, the woman I was back then, I very much respected my church leadership. Um, still do. Don't get me wrong. Still do. Um, but I, you know, for those not in the church world, it's such a weird concept. And I understand that. And I'm sorry if it's like, it's just so weird. It's so weird, but I genuinely, and they were, I felt taken care of by them the way they walked us through it. Um, I was, I was trying to do everything that they, you know, kind of, asked me to do. And when they said, we release you to legally separate, I mean, you have to understand, I was so desperate for relief um, that I I grabbed it. I'm like, I mean, I'm not kidding. I think the day after they told us that, the day after I was at a lawyer's office. And so um, in that moment, it didn't feel like they were holding me back from anything. Also, it never crossed my mind that I would ever date or remarry. I was in the thick of, I I had two teenagers. Um, So I'm just like, head down, get us through this. It's a train wreck. And I, I genuinely felt back then if I never remarried, it was fine. So I was not concerned of the kind of little detail of legal separation versus divorce. Um, Knowing what I know now with the research I've done with, you know, quote unquote, biblical grounds for divorce. I do believe my situation fell under the heading of abandonment. And because of that, um, I would like to believe that I would have had the courage and the agency to make that decision. Um, I know this may not make sense either. I look at it now as sort of like God's protection over me in that I kind of didn't have to be the one to pull the plug. Um, if that makes sense. Um, like I, I feel like he knew what my ministry was going to be. There was already so much like that attack, but I mean, 
people are cruel. And the moment I started writing about this, I mean, as many women came out of the woodwork of saying, that's my story for every one of those, there was hate mail or whatever. Um, so it just felt sort of like this protection that my then husband was the one who filed. So it's, it's really, it's such a complicated question. It's a really good question though. Yeah. Yeah. And when I look back, cause I've asked myself that, and I love that you use the word courage. Cause for me, it was like, I always wondered if I would ever have found the courage. I like to think that I would have eventually. Right. <laughs> um, and I think for me, interestingly, the fact that my church family or the bulk of my friends and you know, not family necessarily, but like, you know, family friends, people who were around me physically at that time were not supportive. I think that was one of those things that is like, yeah, it really, really was awful at the time, but it uh-huh. turned out to be a blessing mm. because it accelerated me saying, okay, well, you got to figure this out. Yes. Oh, that's true. <laughs> and so the fact that he filed and that I didn't really have a lot of support other than what I found on the internet, you know, you, I said, I really yeah. I was, I went down the YouTube rabbit trail, the whole YouTube rabbit trail, oh, man. which was amazing. I learned a lot Yeah, at forming like my own, like my own ideas about the whole thing. I just kind of took mm-hmm. all of the ideas and I was like, okay, this is what makes sense to me. Yes. And I really went on that journey to like, almost like create a whole new me and become a whole yes. new person. And yes. that all of that turned out to be the, the very best thing. But I reflect yes. on that question. Um, yes. And I have developed a lot of courage since then. So yes, <laughs> right. Me too. Absolutely. Yes. So you had said, okay, at that point in time, you weren't thinking of dating, getting married no. again. No. Um, and I'm trying to remember if I had started following you when you went on match, because I followed most of your dating journey, but I don't know if I was there at the very beginning of it. Okay. Um, right. What made, what made you start dating again? What made you, and then you met, you met. Which is interesting because you met was on a dating app too. I did. That's quite a long way from home for a church girl. <laughs> it is. It is. Okay. How I went from I will never remarry to remarried. Um, I I had met someone online, but not in the traditional way. He left a comment on my blog. And a girlfriend texted me and said, um, there's a a guy who like, you know, left you a comment. Now my blog was pink. I mean, it was for women. It, there was nothing that would ever, I would have thought got a guy to come look at it. And so he had asked, like, uh, he had said something kind of funny in the comment. I responded. Um, he sent me an email, like a question about writing. And then we were kind of for a couple of weeks for emailing. And then it went to text and then it went to phone calling and I hate the phone. So it's a big deal that I like took that leap. And for six months, we had a long distance, very long distance friendship. And I fell for the guy. And at the end of the six months, I shouldn't say the end at the six month period, we met and I fell harder and I got back home and I mean, there were so many issues. We were in two different states. Like it's like a 16 hour drive and we both had teenagers. We, you know, it was just, how was this going to work? Why let it go that far was even ridiculous. Um, And he ended it very shortly after I, you know, we had met. 
But what that did after it was devastated for a while, because that brought up, oh my goodness, I was stunned how devastated I was over that. But I'm sure it, it brought up feelings of rejection and abandonment. And I thought that was a possible future thing. And he'd become a good friend. Anyway, I'm spending much, much too much time on this. But um, when I sort of got a little bit more back to myself, my girlfriends were like, we think you might want a partner. Like that might have like stirred something up in you. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> plus, you know, it's actually pretty safe to have a relationship with like kind of your phone. I mean, we didn't meet until month six. So um, it was, it was like training wheels. I mean, he, he got me ready for the real world. He was genuinely kind to me and affirmed me. Um, and so that was the, the thing that got me ready. And it was probably six weeks or so after, um, that, you know, my girl, girlfriends were like, it's time. And I very begrudgingly, um, went online. And the reason I did that, um, I, all my friends are married. I, I wouldn't, didn't hang out in like a mixed, you know, singles, married kind of group. Um, I worked from home. Uh, I never went out. I was not a going out kind of girl. Um, and so unless I used to joke, like unless a, a Jesus loving refrigerator repair man came to my door who happened to be like close to my age and single. I mean, I was never going to meet anyone. So I, I did online. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Yeah. All right. So how did I just, I just, I'm literally just not going to say anything. I'm just going to keep asking you questions because you are such an amazing storyteller. Oh. <laughs> so good. Okay. So how did it go online? Like, okay. Yeah. Tell us the stories. Do you wonder exactly how divorced women just like you are meeting eligible men who want a real relationship and a commitment? They're doing it by dating with their core values. Your core values are the GPS that lead you to the partner you've been looking for. When you use your core values on dating apps, text messages, and at social events, you will easily connect with your true match partner without chasing, settling, or wasting time with non-committal men. I have taught exactly how to do this in the two-hour Core Values Dating Blueprint course available on my website, shadecurry.com forward slash dating. That's S-A-D-E-C-U-R-R-Y dot com forward slash dating. You will learn exactly how to identify your core values and use them on your dating profile, how to ask the right questions via text, and how to tell the right stories on dates so that you attract the right people and repel those who aren't right for you. If you're ready to meet your true match, hop over to shadecurry.com forward slash dating or click the link in the show notes. Now back to the episode. Yeah. I Now, I don't know what it's like now because it has been nine or so years, but I had a couple rules um, like I did put on there pretty clearly, like I am a believer in Jesus and 
please, you know, that's important to me. I have two teenagers like in neon, like if that's not going to scare you away. Um, I didn't want to, I wasn't going to move. I live in a small town in the Midwest and my kids were in school. I wasn't going to uproot. So I'm not kidding. Back then you could do parameters. And I did, I think I did like 10 minutes from my town. (laughs) I live in a small town. Um, And I had these things in my head, like I wasn't going to respond to just like a wink or whatever those dumb little things where they could just hit like one little tiny thing and put, you could poke someone. Oh my gosh. If you're taking zero effort, then no. So I wanted, they had to initiate like a conversation. Um, So I had all these things in my head and sure enough, you know, I'm still getting, you know, the winks from like 70 year olds in Florida. I, I even put like, if you're still separated, don't even like, don't no. So I had all these things. I mean, my, I wish I, I wish I kept a screenshot because I'm sure I had a list more of what I wasn't looking for than what I was. But, um, so I had four first dates and I had this whole system. I mean, I had a men's spreadsheet <laughs> and everything. I love that. And I had, um, I had criteria in my head of what I was looking for. I had some red flags, which I think is really important that in between, you know, the divorce and the dating um, to really to start thinking about who you are, because who you are at this point in your life is not who you were when you got married and it's not who you were as a wife. Um, So having some ideas in your head of what you are looking for and what you're absolutely just are no's. Are, it's going to be really important. Um, and so each of the first four dates kind of helped me shape what I was looking for. There was nothing like hugely red flag in, in three of them. It just wasn't like a love connection sort of a thing. Um, I also had this rule in my head that I wasn't going to drag it on. I didn't want to, I, I hadn't dated in 25 years. I didn't know what any of this was, but I knew I didn't want to be like, one of those girls. And so I kind of told myself I was giving myself 24 hours to decide if I was going on a second date. And if not, I was calling the guy and letting him know so that we weren't doing like weeks and weeks of texts and weird. And I, you know, if I knew, I knew, um, and that's just me. Some people right. need, need and more to time. Clarify, it wasn't that you knew whether or not they were going to be your partner. You just knew whether or not you wanted a second date. Exactly. Amazing. Right. Yes. Um, Also at the same point though, at my age, I wasn't looking to date just for fun. I I had decided that it was for partnership. So in a sense, it was, it was kind of both. It was that if there were things that had been said, um, like one deal breaker for me um, was ex-wife bashing. Oh, no, 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 no. It, and the way they would tell their divorce story, um, if it were 100% the ex-wife's fault, I mean, come on, <laughs> you know, that was a red flag for me. So um, a red flag for second date, but also a red flag because, okay, that that could be a character thing that you don't, you're not able to look inward and things like that. I had one guy who, um, <laughs> I, who went too far with how he spoke to me. Um, it was maybe a week and a half into our, like we had had one date. I thought it went well. Um, I was going to move forward with the second date with him, but we, we kind of had a weird little conflict on the phone the next day. And he like 
yelled at me and he said, oh, I didn't know you were that kind of a girl and um, hung up on me. And then, and here's what was not, here's the part that's like humbling. Though I had made so much progress in like my emotional health and strength, it's one thing to learn all these things like on paper, in your journal, by yourself. It's another with an actual human person. And I went right back to my kind of begging, my over-apologizing. I called him back and apologized. He hung up on me and I was doing like something that a 20-year-old would do. I was, it was such a like light bulb moment for me of, oh, okay, you still have like some, some work to do. Um, but after that got resolved, which I mean, we're talking, it was a couple of weeks of him. He would continue to send me texts. This was before I had like the guts to just like block someone. Um, this is a good story. I'll try to tell it quickly. He's, he told me, um, he said, you're my girl and I'm taking you to Florida next weekend. This is after he like yelled at me and everything. I'm like, Oh mm-mm, no. And so I said, um, can you come over like tomorrow? And we're going to go for a walk. We need to talk. And I so, remember that walk. I remember you writing about that. Yes. Okay. I made sure it wasn't close to my house. He wouldn't know which house was mine or anything. Um, but we went for a walk and I said, um, do you read your texts before you send them? And he's, he's chuckling. He's like, oh, no, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just, you know, saying stuff. And I said, well, I have it right here. And I'm going to read it to you. And and he's like, please don't. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I read it to him. And I said, first of all, um, I'm not your baby. Do not call me baby. Don't call any woman baby you just met. And secondly, I will never, ever go away with you. This is never, ever going to work. Are you understanding that this is officially done? And he's like, Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Okay. So that right there was like my redemption for how I handled it. Right. You know, at first that was like, I took a man for a walk and I told him the things he did wrong. And I said, we were done. It was the most like clear and empowered. I think I'd ever been in my life. I mean, poor guy, he probably got like 20 years worth (laughs) of me wanting to say some things to men. Um, so I took a break. I called it No Boys July. I took my <laughs> I remember. I it's all coming back to me because yeah. I was reading your blog. Yeah. Your post it was, every it was, day. That, it that was so fun to like have this community like on this journey with me. And um, and so I took the the profiles down. And then I mean, I'm not kidding, we're talking probably three or four days. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. He's the one who needs time off the profiles. I don't, I'm fine. So forget No Boys July. I went back on and I met my now husband. Yes. Oh my God. I, I remember how excited. And it was, and I love that because I've seen this happen over and over. Cause like now I do that work with women where it's like, there's like this moment, there's this shift that happens. And I remember that shift happening for me too. Uh-huh. And right after that shift, I met my, I met my husband. Oh. So, cause I had, I had dated for about six months I realized, okay, I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) Right, right. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, and I, and this is, I encourage him. I'm like, you're going to, you're going to hit stuff. You're not going to go out there and date perfectly. It just is impossible for that to happen. You're going to need practice. 
You're yeah. going to see your triggers. So I had done it for about six months. I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. So I took a step back, dated in person while f- sort of noodling on the dating process to try to figure out what I wanted to do. Came right. back on when I felt like, okay, I kind of, and then started again, matched with a few guys. And I remember that Wednesday, that was the Wednesday before I met my husband was when I recognized, oh, this is what low effort looks like. Oh, like I was, it was just, it, I just remember, I was like, oh, cause there was this guy, we had planned the trip, uh, a date and then he wasn't messaging me back in between. And so I texted him and said, Hey, on the apps, cause I never give out my phone number just personally before yeah. meeting. No, that's good. That's good. And I, and I said, are we still meeting on Friday or whatever? He was like, yeah, yeah, we are no problem. And I was like, okay, this is like weird. It's it's like, you have me just on this calendar and there's no, and I was like, you know what? Never mind. This is not what I want now. For someone else, that might have been exactly what they wanted. But for me, that was like, that wasn't for me. So I canceled the date. And that energy, whatever that was, that Mm -hmm. feeling, that understanding, Uh went right back on Mm -hmm. Saturday morning and matched with my husband. It was just like, oh, yeah. I love that. And I see with my clients too. Like we, we get in, they start, and something shifts that causes them to see what they've been doing before. Everyone has something different. We all have what I call our kryptonite. Everyone's kryptonite is different. That's good. And that yeah. shift. And not long after they meet the person. It's just, wow. I don't know what that is. Yeah. I love how you use that phrase. I think you said something like, this is what low energy feels like. Yeah. Yes. I mean, in, in a good effort. way. Low, good, effort, low effort. Low effort. In a good, in the best possible way. Especially for those of us who are coming out of I mean, if you're divorced, it's for a reason. There probably were not good things happening. Mm-hmm. And so it was high effort. <laughs> you're trying to keep the thing going. And you're right. The Because I have that low effort with my husband. And I, there are some times that I'm like, I still, still do not believe we just get along. I mean, it's it just doesn't. When you're used to not getting along or when you're used to whatever the bad thing is for, for so long, the yeah. other, the other, the good thing can feel abnormal. Yes, that's so true. And, and, and I think the word low effort gets used different ways. You're referring to what I call effortless, the effortless yes, relationship. Yes. The guy I was referring to on the app was a low effort man. Oh. But he was not putting in the effort to keep our conversations going. I see. Yeah. And you bring up a really important thing that I always talk about. I'm like frames of reference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whenever you're dating, you got to establish frames of reference. When a person says they're looking for a relationship, do they mean the same thing that you mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So yeah, you have a, a relationship that feels effortless yes. with Buzz, with your husband. Yeah. And I don't know if you want to say his name on the app. Or, and it's I fine. That. Yeah, you have an effortless relationship, but then there are men out there who are low effort, where they're like, I want a relationship without having to do, without having to do the thing. I love you clarified. You're right. But it's a feeling that like the moment before you meet your person, there's like this growth that happens Mm -hmm. because we needed, if we, if we'd known what we were doing, we wouldn't have been divorced. (laughs) Right. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. That's true. And so you matched with Buzz on the app? Yes. Well, what's interesting is he lives, lived in a very, very small town and had his entire life and he wanted a fresh start. So he had put his parameters 
90 minutes and farther. And mine were 10 minutes. I wasn't going anywhere. I So I never would have matched with him, if that makes sense. Yes. But he matched with me because he was looking far. Yeah. And so we, you know, we started talking. And before we met, I said, I need to be clear. And I'm not trying to be like stubborn or selfish. I'm not moving. And only unless you genuinely want to move. And like, literally he would have had to transfer or get a new job to do it. Um, I'm not even sure we should meet. And he assured me that yes, he needed and wanted a fresh start. And we, he thought he was telling the truth, um, that it would have been, it was supposed to be an easy transfer within his, I'm not, um, I'm not going to say where it is. I'll say corporation. It's not a corporation. Um, and it ended up not being one. We lived apart for 18 months, but that's another story. But, but I love that because, oh my God, like, it's like, you're like, <laughs> this is what I tell women all the time. Cause every one of us has a thing that we think is going to keep us from meeting someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, no, no. The thing that you think is going to keep you from meeting someone is exactly what your person is looking for. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> right. And it happens over and over. I have some women that'll be like, well, I have young kids. My kids are toddlers. Nobody wants toddlers. I'm like, there is a man uh-huh. who maybe has kids right about that age. And he's like, who's going to want me with these kids? Mm-hmm. And I, I think people who have the same situation tend to find each other. Mm-hmm. Like I, I had uh, teenagers on the verge of young ad- adulthood. My husband had a young adult. He had just turned like in his twenties and it was like a perfect match. And literally our first, (laughs) my firstborn and his firstborn are like almost exactly the same kid in many ways, except one's a girl and one's a boy. Yeah. Like they studied the same thing in college. Like, wow. What is happening? Right. (laughs) And I have client, I have a client who just got engaged. She has, I think a four and a six year old. Her fiance has a four and a five year old. Like it's just. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you are. There right. is the thing that what you think, what you want is exactly what someone else wants. That's so good. Yeah. There was one of the guys um, of the, you know, I went on five first dates and Buzz was the one that kept going. But one of the guys um, hadn't been married and didn't have any children. And I had originally thought, you know, that might not be bad because no baggage, no ex-wife, no blended family. Um but when we got together, I'm like, oh, he has no idea what I've been through, what I'm going through. He can't relate. Um, and I mean, nothing, nothing against him, but I'm like, the perfect oh, person for another person, for someone else. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I, I think I need someone who's going to get all this because it, it can be, it's crazy town when you're in it, but when you don't understand it, I mean, it's like, so yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So what was the, um. So tell us a little more. You and Buzz matched. He decided he was like, no, no, in spite of all your protests, he wanted to meet. <laughs> yeah. What was your first date like? So he drove 90 minutes and I drove 90 seconds. I made him come all the way to me. <laughs> There's a um, YouTube influencer who would say sprinkle, sprinkle. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, And, you know, it was just really, it was it was a really sweet date. He um, came up to, so he was already there. Okay. So early 
because I was early. So he was even earlier than I was. Um, he came up and opened my car door for me. I know he has opened every door since, and I'm not kidding. Um, it, it was, he, we, I think the thing that in the first date that even though, you know, we had talked on the phone a couple of times and all of that and had texted and knew some of each other's story, but it was a, a very easy conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first dates, it was a lot of um, me listening. <laughs> in other words, me not talking or being asked anything. And at one point, the guy had even said something like, is there anything else you want to know about me? I'm like, yeah, if you want to know anything about me, that's my question. Um, so the conversation was a back and forth. We laughed. Um, it just was one of those that here's the thing. Cause I don't, I think this might be one of your questions, but the thing that got me with him that moved him from date one to date two, um, the way he shared his divorce story mm-hmm. was full of humility and ownership and not one negative word about his ex-wife. Um, even though the situation had been really messy and he could have told it in a very different way. Um, and he listed off. He said, I did this wrong. I did this wrong. I did this wrong. And I'm working on this, this, and this. I'm like, what guy talks like this? Um, so his, his vulnerability. And then also when I described my work, because it's kind of odd, you know, I help women who are in pain. Like that's kind of my, that's my jam. <laughs> um, it's like he it's like he got it. He was very supportive, um, hearing what I do. And, um, so it was, it was just a really, I'm like, oh, this is, this one's moving forward to date two. So it was, yeah, it was a really sweet, sweet. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that so much. I love that you, what you recognized is in him was what, uh, we talk about someone who has done the work or is doing the work or is open to doing the work. All of those, we're we're good with all of those. Yes. Yeah. That reminds me because one of the other guys that I didn't move forward with, he had shared, I mean, just his divorce story in like one or two sentences. Now, keeping in mind, that's what I do for a living is like, talk about these things. And he, he wrapped it up saying it is what it is. And I'm like, oh no. I'm like, we're not moving forward. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's just interesting how like each man leading up to buzz, I was like, oh, this is important to me. And I would kind of shift the list around. Oh, it's probably okay if this is a thing. I thought this was a red flag and it's not. So that's one thing that though I only had four first dates, there is something to be said about, um, I don't want to say using this research. But I was learning more about myself with each gentleman that I was meeting. And um, I don't mean to say using it, but you know what I mean? I mean it was, none of it was wasted. But it is, there is an element. I've just found that there is an element of practice that has to happen mm-hmm. before you meet the person. with us too. Yeah. And I think for, depending on how much practice you had, like I, one of the reasons I think dating was a little easier for me than some women that I work with was I studied engineering in college. So I was familiar with men. I knew what a wow. real human man smelled like, looked like, yes. <laughs> talked like. I was just, what had happened to me early was that I was using the wrong attributes. Mm. So because like you, there was divorce in my family, there was abuse, domestic abuse, 
two generations, <laughs> my my grand my grandparents, my parents. I read a lot of signals wrong. And in fact, I sought mm-hmm. out someone whose family dynamic was dysfunctional because I felt like this person would understand my family dynamic. Yes. On purpose, consciously. Like yes. I was yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, but when I did start dating, I didn't have any anxiety around men. I didn't feel like, you know, I I knew how to recognize a normal guy who wasn't psycho. I just <laughs> the thing I the thing I needed to figure out was how to meet men who were sort of a higher caliber, higher intellect, more professional. So that was the thing I needed to figure out, someone who wanted to do things at a higher level. Yes. But I had that background, that practice. I went to a co-ed, boarding house, high school. Wow. Plenty of interactions. My brother, good dad, good husband. So I had that. I knew what I was looking for. I needed to figure out how to find it. Now, there are a lot of women who don't have that. Right. You're, especially if you come from a religious background or a background where men and women are like kept separate for a long time, or you were more socially anxious and you just didn't talk to men. You married the first person who took you out while you were married. You only hung out in the with the women. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. just going to need more time talking to men. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There's no there's there's no way around it because otherwise you have a fairy tale or a theory. And like, you're not comfortable with it. So I think it is kind of research. And I think that's okay. That's what we encourage our kids to do in their teens and 20s. We don't want them to marry someone they meet at 16, but we want them to talk to them. We want them to go to prom. We want them to go to a dance. We want them to, you know, go on youth retreats and camps and seminars or all the things. We want them to have that interaction. And even if you're 40, you, if you haven't had that at 40 or 50, you're going to start from where the teenagers are starting. Exactly. Yes. That's a really good point. Yeah. Okay. So back to you and Buzz. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, I was saving this question. You know, you went, you continued dating and you dated, oh, first of all, I just wanted to put a couple of, how long after your divorce did you meet Buzz? So how many, I know you were divorced for a few years. Yeah. So two years before we met. Okay. And then this is where, this is the part of our story that we, we would change if we could, is we moved too fast. It was too fast for each of us. And it was too fast for all of our children. And there's obviously no way to go back and like pick up where we met and move it a year or, you know, um, but yeah, it's one of those things that we, we didn't quite know what we were doing. The biggest part being our, um, our children, the blended family aspect is, um, back then it would have been, they would have been between 13 and 23 Mm -hmm. and there's, there are five of them. So it was very complicated and we were in over our heads. Um, so blended families are a bear. I'll just say that. Just let it be. <laughs> yes. Um, how old were you at the time? I was, um, I want to say 42. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I just wanted to, cause sometimes I just wanted to like set, right. I forgot to set the context. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we started. So, you know, how did you know? And I, if I remember correctly, you knew pretty early that Buzz was like, oh, yeah, I really I really like this guy. This is probably the one. What was it about him beyond, you know, the first date and how he talked that you were like, oh, yeah, you know, I've 
I've been in this marriage for, I've, I've been in this marriage for 20 years. I made a mistake, made these mistakes, all these things, but I think I can make it work with this person. This life with this person will be different. Yes. I think the main thing, other than what I just shared about the first date, um, first of all, that continued, which was good to see that it wasn't just like a tactic, <laughs> you know, um, to this day, that is a part of his character. But I think um, the thing that so struck me was, well, not to belabor this point, but the effortlessness there was so much arguing in my first marriage. There was so much arguing in my growing up years and then so much arguing in my first marriage that it sort of never occurred to me that you could more often than not get along with the person you're living with. Um, and Buzz and I got along so much of the time when we were dating that honestly, when we got married, I'm like, oh, well, once he moves in, like, that's when it's just going to all, <laughs> that's when the arguing is going to start. Um, and again, we had 18 months of not fully living together. So that kind of continued our weird, it was almost like a courtship, you know, just kept on going, but that he, um, he didn't. In my first marriage, I always felt like I was being challenged pretty continually. And being myself, I don't want to say it was off the table, but I mean, um, there was kind of no point. It just, it, it would have butted up against this is how it is. And so to feel myself at that point in my life and have it be accepted and not have it be, um, if I have an opinion contrary to his, it doesn't all blow up. Um, it, it's still, I still cannot believe that this is where we are. He's retiring soon. And so we're having these conversations. I'm a huge introvert. And so that we can talk through these things. Um, for instance, I just, we went on a walk the other day and I mean, his retirement's like really coming and I work from home. So it's kind of a, <laughs> I mean, what's about to be the best season of his life is going to be a very interesting season of adjustment for me. Um, thankfully I do love to hang out with him, but so we're on a walk the other day and I said, okay, on this hand, I completely love you. Okay. He's like, oh boy, <laughs> where's this going? So I said, now on this hand, I really need time alone in my home. And this has nothing to do with how much I love you. It's not that you annoy me. They are completely separate things. I said, so is there a way when I'm starting to feel that I should say, my husband is not the kind who will sit on the couch. He already has two or three like business ideas in his head. So I think I'm thinking he's going to be home all day, every day, and he's not, but I'm mentally preparing, right? So I said, is there a way that when I'm feeling that need um, to get some alone time, 
a signal or something that I can share that with you without hurting your feelings. Cause that will be the last thing I want to do. And now you have, I mean, if you weren't in a difficult marriage, you won't understand what a big deal that is. But if you were, there's no way I would ever in a million years would have had that conversation in my first marriage. I wouldn't have even had the courage to get to that. It would have just been like, well, I guess I'll just have to deal with it. And I wouldn't have even brought it up. Um, and then it just would have been resentment, you know, building and building. So, and because we have a playful relationship, he said, why don't you just stand in the middle of the living room and yell alone? <laughs> so, I will not do that. Um, I found another cute way that we can do it, but just having this, the ease, the playfulness, um, and that that started during the dating years. And there was just kind of this sense of like, I feel safe with him. Yeah. I didn't, it's, it's interesting because though I wasn't expecting him to like break my heart by any means, I went into, and I didn't realize this till just a couple of years ago. I went into our marriage with walls around my heart. Mm-hmm. Had you asked me on my wedding day, if my heart were like completely open to him, I would have said, absolutely. But I realized that I've sort of had this wall up, um, probably till about year five or six waiting, just waiting any minute. Now it's, it's going to happen. It's going to leave. It's going to hurt me in you know, in an irreparable way. It's going to end or I'm going to mess it up, you know? Um, and I, I had gone away on a, um, like a little mini retreat for like, I think like a week and it was only like a couple hours away. And he came up midway through the retreat. This was like two or three years ago. And when we were saying goodbye, I started to cry and I'm like, Oh, I'm starting to get all in with him. Like I'm literally going to miss my buddy. Um, and so to watch the, the walls start to come down, um, it's been a really beautiful thing. And it's been a gift that I was not expecting ever to happen. Um, I don't remember your question. Oh, that's okay. This is so beautiful. So beautiful. Okay, we'll do one last question. Okay. Thank you for sharing so vulnerably. It's like, oh my gosh, so good. Just a word of advice. Um, what's one word of advice for, you know, all of our sisters that we know are either divorcing or dating after divorce. The bulk of the listeners are dating after divorce. So just one tip that you have for anyone who's out there looking for their person. Okay. This is not like a tangible thing. This is more of a um, sort of how you think about it kind of a thing. Um, I remember several years back, I was in a conversation with a woman and she very casually said, well, we start out loved. So dot, dot, dot. And I'm like, we do. I mean, I've always believed that God loves me, but I started kind of realizing that like, I came into this world loved. I start every day loved. Um, and I even made like a little mantra that, you know, because of those things, I have no other loves to beg for and nothing to prove to anyone. And when you have the mindset of I am already loved, it changes what you're looking for. Because if you're not to get all weird, but I kind of look at it as like a heart cup 
if your heart cup, if you're thinking it's empty and you're clanging it around and you are trying to, you'll take anybody's crumbs um, to sort of fill up. But if you come to a new relationship, especially believing that you are already, as you are, fully loved for who you are and that you really don't need to be begging anyone to kind of fill up the heart cup. It's going to change who you look for. It's going to change what you put up with. Um, And so that, I mean, I even, I still say it almost every morning because what it's also done in my relationship with Buzz is, you know, a lot of us, and I get this, it's sort of the cultural way you, you know, of looking for someone um, quote unquote to love you. Of course I get that, but um, you know, we've heard it. I'm sure we've all heard it said that like happiness is an inside job, that kind of a thing. I don't depend on buzz to quote unquote, make me happy. That is not why we're married. We are partners to help us get through life. Um, and if we make each other happy, I mean, that's, that's a bonus, but if you are looking for, um, like a good fit, who is someone who I can love as opposed to is there anyone out there who can, you know, fill this, this cup? Um, those are two very different perspectives and it's going to raise the bar for who makes it, who makes the cup for you. So reminding yourself on a regular basis that you're already fully loved that at least for me, that was a game changer and it still is. It, it helps in my relationship. It helps with my young adult kids because I'm not waiting for them. I mean, I am, (laughs) but I'm not looking to them. I'm not looking to girlfriends. I'm not looking to work or anything because no, it's already like, I'm already full to the brim. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And that work is ongoing. I tell my clients the same thing. I was like, listen, when I tell you to love yourself or to know yourself or meet your own needs, it's because you're going to be doing it after you meet your person. Regardless of whether (laughs) you're a partner or not. Yes. 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 Elizabeth, thank you so much for sharing. Really appreciate it. Um, could you just tell any uh, listeners who want to connect with you, the kind of work that you do and where they can find you on the internet? Sure. So I work with women one-on-one doing coaching. I have created 15 courses, um, but I have two sort of signature courses. One is women who are in difficult marriages and one is for women who are um, going through divorce. And it's kind of a great way to make sure that you're covering all the bases of getting healed up. Um, it's a three month course. It's, it's comprehensive. It gets in there. Um, and then I also, um, I have a Facebook group. I have like, I don't know, 15 books and I have a podcast called all that to say, and you can find me at elizabethkline.com. And that's with an S not a Z, which I know is complicated, but (laughs) so yeah, and we will have the links to all of Elizabeth's resources in the show notes. So make sure you check those out. Elizabeth, thank you for being here. Thank Listeners, you for absolutely. Listeners, we want to thank you for your time and attention, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening today. If you are ready to get married after divorce, I want to invite you to download my free eight video training specifically designed to help divorced women date with ease and get married again. 
head over to shadecurry.com to get started. That's S-A-D-E-C-U-R-R-Y.com. I'll see you inside.